Alan Noble. Welcome to Bookish Questions with Cultural Debris. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. You have come complete with a uh, nice microphone and and large beard, so I, I welcome you all. <laughs> all three of us, yes. All three of you, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, seeing seeing you inspires me. You know, it's getting a little cooler. Maybe maybe I need to go with the with the beard look. I don't know, but I'll think. About yeah. It. Well, this is a my my daughter, my youngest daughter, wanted to. Uh, braid my beard during COVID. And so I said, well, I'm going to have to grow it a little bit longer. And then I just haven't stopped growing it. Well, I think you need the braids and then also like a, you know, like a Viking helmet or something. I think that would <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I think that would work. Uh, so we are going to talk some about your new-ish book on getting out of bed. Uh, why is getting out of bed a challenge? Why, why is that a problem? Life is difficult. Uh, this is something I don't think that we talk about or think about enough in the contemporary West, um, in part because we have all these technologies that save us from problems that are designed to make life easier and easier and easier. Uh, we have you know, millionaires trying to fight off death um, you know, we're, <laughs> we're, we're, we're living in a world that desires to not have any problems, but, uh, problems are there because of the fall problems assert themselves and life becomes difficult. It, it could be that you're dealing with a mental illness. It could just be that you're dealing with life's natural flows of, of, of trouble. It could be that you're tired or you're sick or whatever it might be, but, uh, suffering comes to all of us. Um, part of the premise of this book is that that everybody needs to have an answer to the question, uh, why live? Why get out of bed? And um, that might seem a little bit morbid, um, but it's not actually because it's a fundamental life question. It's m one of the most fundamental life questions. Um, why live? Why put up with suffering? Um, and so that's that's at the heart of this book. I mean, of course, suffering, obviously, has been around almost as long as humans have been around. Um, do you, I mean, you touch on this in your answer a little bit, but do you find that it's, that I guess the, the challenges of getting out of bed are are made more acute with sort of modern society and, and the things that we deal with now versus a hundred years ago or 200 years ago or 500 years ago. Yeah, I, I do be not because we have more serious problems to deal with, but because we have a culture that does not equip us to be resilient. And so, um, be, because we're not trained in resiliency, um, because we're taught to, be afraid of suffering and to run from suffering and to see suffering as a problem that just needs a quick fix, um, a pill or a technique or whatever it might be. Um, we're not, uh, as adept at, or, or we're not as used to the reality of suffering. It's, it comes as a surprise to us as a shock. And, and I say this in the beginning of the book that, that, you know, I grew up and knew a lot of people who suffered a lot, um, but, and they were close to me, but I just thought that they were abnormal, 
that there was something wrong with them. Uh, and um, what I've come to find out is I've gotten to know lots of other people from different walks of life, and they've you know sort of revealed their life story to me. I've realized that, gosh, real profound suffering is normal. It varies widely, but it's it's a normal human experience. So what's shocking about it, what, what makes it so acutely difficult is that we're not as prepared for it. So why should I get out of bed then? If, if getting out of bed is hard, the world is full of suffering, why get up? So I think uh, at the... The heart of my answer is that a loving God created you and sustains you moment by moment, and therefore your existence is fundamentally good even when you don't feel it is good. Uh, there is great joy and beauty to be found and goodness to be found in this world if we get out of bed and embrace life. There's also another aspect to this, and that is that um, we are being watched by other people. And those people are watching to see how we respond to that suffering. We didn't ask to be role models or um, icons or um, you know, visions of, of the good life, but people are watching us to see what we do. And when we choose to abdicate, when we choose to flee, that signals something to other people. And when we choose to embrace life despite great suffering, that also signals something to other people. It communicates to them loudly, I argue in the book, that life is worth living despite suffering, that life is fundamentally and in this deep way a good thing. And when you go through periods of suffering, it's often the case that you can't see the goodness of your own life. Life seems uh, taxing and miserable and uh, difficult, or it can feel those things. Um, but you usually can tell, you can usually identify the goodness of other people's lives, particularly your friends and your loved ones. You can look at them and you can say, I want them to recognize that their life is good. I, I might not think that my life is worth living, but theirs is clearly worth living. And if you can recognize that, then I think you can recognize the obligation you have to carry on with your life, because those people whom you love are looking to you to see how you will respond to suffering. And so there are these two ways, I think, that I try to emphasize that we look at them. Uh, one is that we recognize our, the fundamental goodness of our own being in the world before a loving God. Uh, who is sustaining us moment by moment. And the other is as witnesses to other people of the goodness of that life. And with both of these, the goodness of your existence and the goodness of your witness is not dependent upon how you feel, because feelings change from moment to moment, day to day. You can't depend on how you feel, how you how you, the meaning you feel life has, the purpose you feel life has, you can't let that determine whether you live a rich, meaningful life. You have to choose to embrace that life regardless. You have an, an interesting um, addition to the book, uh, which are some 
podcast episodes that are available on the University Press website that go with the book. So what what can I gain from those uh, podcast episodes that that sort of add to the book or or are different from the book? Yeah, so uh, I got to ask a number of interesting, thoughtful Christians questions about mental health, about suffering, about persevering, about surviving in the world. And um, people like Tish Harrison Warren, and um, and they were kind enough to give me their time to to explore these questions and to be very personal about their own struggles, their own difficulties getting out of bed, um, their own reasons why they believe we ought to get out of bed when we're suffering, when we're struggling in life. And um, so, yeah, that's that's what those offer. So, do you have any uh, do you have any new projects that you're working on? Anything uh, anything that we should be on the lookout for? Yes. Yeah, so, um, I have my fourth book that I'm working on is tentatively titled something like "Recollecting Your Life," um, and uh, it's a practical guide to life, uh, giving life advice how to survive in the contemporary world. Um, and it's framed based on uh, the four cardinal and three theological virtues. Um, so uh, I'm trying to speak into a, a moment when a lot of young adults that I'm working with in college feel very lost and confused about what it means to be a man or a woman, to be successful, to be a follower of Christ, to survive in the modern world. Uh, the modern world has taken away a lot of our mentors and a lot of our signposts, and I feel like a lot of people feel lost and confused about what they ought to do, what it means to live a good life. And I think the theological virtues and the cardinal virtues are good guides for that. And so I'm using uh, Joseph Pieper's um, two books on uh, called The Four Cardinal Virtues and Faith, Hope, Love, and uh, as the sort of scholarly backbone. And so he's pulling from Aquinas and um, that'll be the scholarship behind it, but it'll be an accept ex uh, accessible um, trade book, um, something that hopefully you can give to a college student or a high school student or, uh, you know, somebody even in their 30s who feels confused about what it means to live the good life because we get so many conflicting messages thrown at us from, you know, this is what social this is what justice looks like. It looks like social justice or this is what love is. This is what love demands of you. And so um, trying to do a kind of recovery process and get some more solid answers. Um, and the other part of what I'm doing is my first two books, Disruptive Witness and You Are Not Your Own, were books of social criticism. And they didn't have a whole lot of practical advice, which is fine. That's just what they were doing as books. But a lot of, you know, as I went around the country giving talks on these, a lot of people were like, well, what am I supposed to do with my phone? Right. That's what I want to know. If this is a disruptive device, what am I supposed to do with my phone? And so I think the virtue of temperance can speak to that a lot. And so um, so that's the next project. I'm about 13,000 words in. Um, got quite a bit to go.
So where can folks uh, find you online? Uh, OAllenNoble.com. Um, the Alan Noble on Twitter, I think. That seems plausible. Yeah, the Alan Noble on Twitter. I had to, I had to, or X, I had to go over and check. Um, and similar things on Instagram and, and Facebook. I think it's O. Alan Noble on fa- Instagram and Facebook. Yeah. All right. Well, we will send folks your way. Alan Noble, thank you for being on Bookish Questions. Thank you.